0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert here on Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. Day 159 of my self-quarantine. Unbelievable. Who would have ever thought it would go on this long? But as usual, Amazon uh, keeps us busy and we have a lot to cover. I have my trusty red notebook here with four pages of notes about things to cover. So we are going to jump right in with the things that that I want to tell you guys about, the things you've asked about, and then we'll open up chat to um, other questions to keep us moving forward. So first thing I want to follow up on is the issue I talked about the last time we were live, which is this um, not reimbursing if a customer is keeping part of a product. So I had a, a customer who only returned half of the stuff that was in her or uh, the thing she ordered. And I got pushback from Amazon, probably nine or 10 emails saying, it was marked customer damage so we can't reimburse. You know, and, and my arguments, and I'll give you my arguments now so you can use them if you need to. One is customer damaged is an arbitrary marking made by some minimum wage employee in the warehouse who has no idea. And they marked pretty much everything customer damaged um, anymore. If you know this stuff was missing the holders and everything, so it's obviously the the person who kept something. Well, they gave me pushback for quite a while on this because it's marked customer damage, we can't we can't reimburse you. And all I did was I kept asking for the link to the Amazon policy that shows that customers are allowed to keep part of a product and we as sellers don't get reimbursed and i just kept asking that i said they kept saying it was marked customers damage so you're not getting reimbursed and i kept saying please show me the link where the uh, customer can keep part of a product and the seller doesn't get reimbursed and i just kept at it and this was the one case where i decided this is one i'm just going to keep on the money wasn't huge it was like a $40 product not huge money but there's a point where I just need to get some precedent in place So I just kept after it and I kept after it and I kept after it and finally after about eight or nine I started putting on the top please do not tell me that this was that you cannot reimburse because this was marked customer damaged. the customer stole some of the product when they didn't return it so you need to revisit your policy handbook and properly reimburse this. And that one did it, I did get reimbursed for it. No fanfare, no nothing, just one of those copy and paste, we are reimbursing you in the amount of $22 or whatever is what I ended up getting. Point being, um, don't give up, just don't give up. If it's important and if you feel it's something that you can use as precedent later, don't give up. Um, Just go with the back and forth You know, I can copy and paste as good as Amazon can, and I just kept this paragraph I kept sending back. I copied and pasted it every time I asked back for an answer. Um, I have decided that every time they, they say that there is an arbitrary reason why, ask for the link to the policy. I think that's finally, when I kept pressing that point, I think that's finally what did it, that show me the policy in writing where it says that and then I will stop. But nobody ever did. For one thing they don't read the answer. They just copy and paste from the previous answer hoping they'll get rid of you. But I would suggest now that if you feel you are right and ask for the link and just keep asking for it cuz we can copy and paste with the best of them, you know? So don't give up if it's important to you this one was important because I feel it sets a precedent. Now I can refer back to that case showing that the customer stole part of the product and um, I was reimbursed. So to me, that is sort of a precedent. I don't know if it's going to be actually that useful, but we can try. And that's what I've kind of decided that, that some of these cases, I have to say I've let a couple of them go. Um, But some that I feel are important to the whole long-term thing, I'm not letting go. So that's just just what I'm doing. Your mileage may vary, but um, be persistent if you feel it's important to you. This one I felt it was important, and this is that whole marked customer damage thing. What I have decided I'm going to start doing because um, of issues with seller support in this is I'm going to start keeping a little spreadsheet of case numbers, and what they refer to. So this one I'll put in a spreadsheet with that case number and the resolution that it showed a customer, uh, when the customer didn't return all of the product, um, it was reimbursed. And then I can refer back to that instead of having to try to dig to dig through um, cases and all that, because it's hard to find them once, once they've gone through. So that may be something you wanna think about, a little spreadsheet, a little notepad, um, whatever that might help you refer to this because that leads to some other stinky thing i've noticed with cases on amazon is they are now closing cases without doing anything to them and i only noticed this because i had a post-it note on my desk to follow up on something and i went and looked and they had closed the case without answering it without doing anything that's not unintentional you know that's not unintentional Um, that they decided, oh, we're not gonna work on this one. We don't wanna be bothered. It's too much trouble. So we'll just close it. Maybe they'll, they'll forget it. Because think if you're a massive company, if you don't have a plan in place for following up on these, it could be a nightmare. It used to be you could go in and see if it said pending Amazon action, the ball was in their court, but now they are throwing the ball back without even playing it. So what I'm also going to do is keep in that spreadsheet, the case number when I open a case and the date, and then I'll keep following up to see. I have a ton of cases opened by Karen Locker's team. So those get mixed up with the stuff I open. So it's harder to see through that system. So develop a system that works for you. I'm gonna try the spreadsheet thing. Um, I don't love spreadsheets, but I think this is the best solution for it because we cannot trust Amazon anymore to keep track of that kind of stuff for us in an honest and fair way. It's, it's um, such an adversarial relationship anymore that we can't trust them. So find a system that, that you can manage that's not so cumbersome that you won't use it, but that you can manage to keep track of all this stuff. Um, it, it used to be far easier, but dang, it's not anymore. And um, it's, it's sad, it's really sad. Ellen's posted in chat that she uses the word um, in capital letters, customers, customer fraud. Yeah, because I think this has got to stop. I mean, it's got to stop. I know why the woman kept it. She kept the, all the the uh, accessories for this thing because she probably had broken some of them. And I'll just keep these and send it back and no problem. And pick your battles. But if it's important to you, don't don't let Amazon win because it does set precedent for the whole thing in the future as we move forward. And I am sick and tired of customers uh, using Amazon as a rental service as a, oh yeah, I'll buy it and use it for what I need it for. I'll finish my knitting project and then I'll send the knitting needles back. Yeah, I know you're doing that people. So, you know, I, it's, it's ridiculous. Amazon has set unreasonable expectations in many ways for customer behavior and it brings out the worst in people. And I know there are good customers out there, but there's also a lot of bad ones and it's our money in the end that uh, we're losing. So so yeah, figure out a system that will work for you to keep track of these cases. I'm gonna ask Karen how her team keeps track of them because I'm sure they have a system um, to do it and see what she says. But for right now, in the meantime, it's gonna be a little spreadsheet for me and I'm not gonna let anything go. Um, it's sad that you can't trust your business partner, you know, isn't it? Cause that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be our partner. They're not supposed to be our adversary, our thief, you know, and all that, but they are. So, um, next thing I want to jump into because it's happened to me and it now it's happened to Ellie also is the GTN, GTIN exemptions. Um, used to be pretty simple, but in Amazon, in their infinite wisdom has changed the rules in the past two weeks. And they've changed the rules without changing the help pages and the policy pages on it. Is anybody surprised? Because I'm not. Let's change it and then we'll fix the pages later to tell people what they need to do. So I ran into trouble last week um, with a GTIN exemption for a brand that I've carried for a long time. But the problem I found out is the company who makes these products bought their barcodes from resellers so this is a craft tool line um based it's it's targeted at kids and and teens um but the um the company bought their barcodes and from a reseller and they're registered to a suntan company so amazon rejected them i mean fair enough right and so i've been really trying to tell my suppliers that you've got to get the ones registered to you it may it's fine for you know, brick and mortar stores, it really doesn't matter. They just need a number to scan in. But for Amazon, if you want to be on Amazon, you are going to need to, to do the real thing. So I decided you know, to do the GTIN exemption for her products. Um, and I got the, um, the template letter that's on Amazon's GTIN exemption page. It's the same one I've been using as long as I've been getting exemptions, so many, many years. And she signed it the the company owner and i sent it in and i got an email back from amazon saying we can't accept it you must have a seal or stamp on the letter okay what seal and what stamp and i went back and i looked at the help pages on gtin it says nothing there about a seal or a stamp so i asked what do you mean by a seal or stamp Copy and paste. They copied and pasted the same thing. You must have a seal or stamp. Asked again, what exactly do you mean? Copy and paste. You must have a seal or stamp. This was another nine or ten times at least. Um, I didn't let those close out because I kept the product sitting in front of my computer so I could remember to deal with it every day when they kept asking. Finally, when I asked for at least the dozenth time, Um, about how to, what do you mean by a seal or stamp? I'm going to post in chat. Give me just a second to get the link. I am going to send you the link to what they told me a brand seal or stamp is. Okay, and don't laugh too hard. Okay, it's in chat now, so you can click on that link. That's the exact link they sent me um, as to what a brand seal or stamp is and i'm like oh my god you've got to be kidding is anybody laughing now it's a link to a page of r- just rubber stamps that say example on them and i was so pissed off about this i thought about just copying and pasting one of the images and putting it on there that said example and said well it has a stamp on it just like you said but no i said so I wrote back and I said, what are you supposed to do if the brand does not have one of these seals or stamps? Because I talked, I think I chatted with Ellie about it and we thought maybe they meant like a notary seal. And I'm like, well, my husband's a notary but the woman didn't sign it in front of him so that doesn't work. So um, the finally got someone who wrote back that said, if you don't have a seal or stamp, and that's the words they use, a picture of the product packaging with the brand name on it will work. Well, that was simple because she has beautiful packaging for her products with the brand name and big letters on it. So I just took an iPhone picture and I sent that in and it was approved. But that leads us to a couple issues. One is their help pages are not updated and they know it. They know what they're telling us does not match which is on their help pages. You know, cart before horse, fix the help pages and make them go live at the time you start making these changes. Because Ellie ran into the exa- almost exact same problem the past two days. She has been trying to get GTIN exemption for a product line. Um, and she did the letter just like it said. And because I had had this problem, I said, let's try it on letterhead. So she did it on company letterhead for the brand that she's looking for approval. She's she's consulting with this brand and and getting them on Amazon. And so she put it on their letterhead. Nope, wouldn't accept that. And they sent her back this morning the exact same um, cut and paste that I'd gotten about the brand seal or stamp, okay? And they would not accept the letter on a letterhead. Um, One thing, um, if you're gonna try to do this with a stamp Make sure that the wording on there is exactly the brand name you are looking for the exemption. Exactly. No, no extra comma. No period. It has to be exact. So I told Ellie that you know what? Um, they they uh, say that the stamp has to be um, a die, which is the technical word for stamp. I said make a stamp out of a potato with your brand, your because the brand name is initials. Do that. And see what they say. But Ellie decided not to. Ellie's going to do the packaging route um, and take a picture. There's inserts in the, the packaging of this product that um, that she can take a, an image of. But, so don't waste your time with the letterhead. It doesn't work. Um, if you have a stamp for the brand that you are trying to get the GTI in exemption for, good. Um, if you have, the packaging has the brand name on it, that should work. A um, couple caveats when you're doing this. When you when you apply for the exemption, apply for as many categories as you think you, you need it in. So for me, home and garden is first because that's where arts and crafts is. But also a lot of my stuff is in tools and home improvement, especially the metalworking things. So think that through and do it all at once for, for those as many categories as you think. Um, so you don't have to go back and do it again. Um, you might wanna have a rubber stamp made up, I don't know, but if your packaging has it on it, that's what i try first. When you do the application and send it in, you're only allowed one attachment. Ellie and I discovered that this morning, um, that you're only allowed one attachment. What I would do is Photoshop or any any editing software, even a PDF editor, take the image of the letter that has the brand odor assigned, and the image of whatever you're using to support it, support it whether it's product imaging, uh, image of the product, or combine them into one image so you can upload both of those at once. Um, that will save the back and forth. And in the notes, you know, you or the title of it, make sure you say letter and packaging image as the title of the product with the, the brand name. So XYZ brand letter and product image. So they, they um, they they get it. So that's kind of the workarounds. Um, the other issue um, that I'm going to be facing, I think Ellie is kind of in this boat, is a lot of her products are clothing that's just in a poly bag or one of those crunchy, you know, kind of bags that a lot of clothing comes in with no packaging on it. What I suggest you do if you are in that, that situation is... Um, work with your brand and get an insert made that you can do in word with their logo and their brand name and what other, you know, their, their address or whatever on it, print that out, slide it into the bag with the product in and take a picture of that, that I'm guessing would work, or you could print it on a label and stick that on, you know, a sticky label and stick that on the packaging, something, it's unfortunate that we have to go to these workarounds. It reminds me of about 10 years ago, probably, when I was trying to get a GTI exemption for a line of yarn. And um, they, I I never ended up pushing it, but now I know what to do. They, They were requiring the brand name, the wording was, to be on the product itself. Okay, so think about that for a second. The brand name must be on the product itself. How are you gonna put the brand name on a strand of yarn? How are you going to put the brand name on the liquid makeup in the bottle? Because that's, they were specific. This this yarn comes with this beautifully printed, they call them uh, yarn bands, but it's a label that wraps around the skein of yarn that has all the information about you know the brand the color the fiber content all of that they would not accept that because it was not on the product itself I said, you know there is um um there is a level of ridiculousness that um that amazon goes beyond a g wendy's saying a gtin exemption is not ridiculously hard no it's not hard but you have to think a bit ahead of amazon none of this stuff is hard. It's tedious. It's time consuming. It's frustrating, but that's business. So if you want to build your business and you need GTI and exemptions, you don't, you don't say, Oh, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. You figure out a way to do it. And that's why I'm telling you guys, this, what, what I figured out over the past two weeks, what Ellie and I talked about this morning, this is the very latest stuff. This happened this morning. So we're giving you the information to go ahead because I bet now based on the information I presented you guys if you did what what I've said you could have the exemption done in less than 24 hours um, important things you've got to have the details um, about the um, about the product and everything Shelley's asking the process to get an exemption for a bundle with mixed brands use the word generic in there and in fact it says that on the drop-down menus on the GTIN exemption page, use generic, because you're not picking one brand over another, and that's that's the easy solution on that one. Um, and they obviously realize that people are making mixed brand bundles, or that wouldn't be on the drop down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch that GTIN exemption. I call it the rule page, for want of a better words. It's only one page in the whole help thing, and um, I'm going to watch and see if and when it gets updated. So I, I, have the date. Um, I believe it was the 10th that I started my mess on the exemption. I'll watch and see how many days after that it takes to actually get the page updated because, um, in the real world, you don't change the rules and then not tell anybody and then update it in six months. But wait, this is we're living in the Amazon. So that's, that's what happens is it gets updated later. So um, the next thing I wanna talk about is category changes. Um, I've had a couple issues and I'm still, I've got one that hasn't fixed. It's a pair of pliers used for jewelry making um, and um, it's in the jewelry category and um, I've had two cases open and they say, we're working on it. We're, t- we're sending it to the concerned team, but they haven't. This one to me would be pretty obvious. If you had half a brain and actually took a breath, looked at the images, looked at the category and thought, no, that isn't jewelry. You don't wear a pair of pliers on a chain around your neck. But, you know, we all know logic is gone. So be aware that stuff is getting messed up in categories. And the only reason I noticed it is because um, it wanted me to ship to a jewelry warehouse. And I looked and like oh, that got moved within a week because I restocked this item um, every, every week. Um, So just be aware. Shelly, I will look at the the page on generic. Um, Ellen said it's not available. Um, But that's because... um, Ellen's post earlier has to do with gated brands and unpub- they have an unpublished list of gated brands. Yeah, that's been the case forever on Amazon that they've had this this quiet list. But um, as far as I know, generic is still available, but I will look after the chat, after the um, Facebook Live, and I will let you know what I see. Um, actually, I can try to get it in, in a category and just walk it through and see see what happens. So I got that written down in my trusty little red book um, with your name beside it, Shelly. So there we go. Okay, um, so category changes, we've done that. Um, we've talked about closing cases without doing anything. Feedback. I can't remember if it was Daryl in the group. Somebody in the group told me to only look at my feedback once a week. Um, and that I have done it for like, like the past three weeks. Once a week, I've looked at my feedback so thank you for that it was really hard at first not to like every time i had a second of downtime to go look but it is kind of a bit of a relief not to think about it um so whoever suggested that thank you i'm doing it i would suggest maybe you guys do it too i i wouldn't want stuff go more a week because hopefully i could fix something in that time um if it's a customer issue but, yeah, I think a week is fine um, to to take that kind of stress off of you. So um, next thing is the um, postal, the whole postal debacle that's going on, not just post office, UPS, FedEx, delivery services in general. Um, this morning, the um, the big news was that all the changes to the mail handling service, the USPS, are paused till after the election. So hopefully that will ease up um, some of these delivery delays that we're seeing. Um, Also, I think it might subconsciously ease up customers' fears about things being late, because if if the news is constantly about things are gonna be delayed, things are gonna be delayed, people are gonna be more on edge and they're gonna be more antsy and more uncomfortable waiting for things. But if there is some sort of sense of normalcy somewhere that may ease off this kind of customer-based pressure for stuff. Um, on the the marketplace side, eBay has led the pack. Um, they had an email go out to their sellers yesterday about how they are planning um, to protect us. That I think that was their word, protect us, um, with bait because of these post office delays. And they are aware of these delays and. Um, if you're an eBay seller, you've read it. But basically, they've done the right thing and they realize the delays are there. They're protecting our metrics and things because once the package is shipped, it's not it's not in our hands. you know it's it's nothing we can control. Um, so they um, they have been at the forefront on this. What I have um, done on Amazon, because Amazon you know is not on our side about fixing or doing anything, is I, have, I ship only first class on Amazon except for a certain line of products that go priority mail in a padded flat rate envelope. So I have four to eight day shipping time set on my shipping template on Amazon, um, which gives me, I am guessing, more than enough time, eight days for a package to get somewhere. I don't wanna put any more than that because that'll turn off buyers you know, they'll say, well, gosh, why would I buy here when this one will get it to me sooner? Even if they don't get it to them sooner, the perception is there. So that's what I have set is the four to eight days for the the, um, continental US. I have the slightly longer one for Hawaii and Alaska and and longer for APO, but I would suggest doing that on Amazon right now if you feel uncomfortable that your packages are not getting there, your merchant fulfilled packages are not getting there on time. that's just kind of my my built-in protection um, to make sure my metrics stay stay good. Um, hold on, I have a clip I have to look up here. Um, okay, the I want to say that um, the I don't think that there's going to be any help from Amazon in any other way. It's up to us to be proactive in our shipping settings with the new. Um, Seller fulfilled prime directives that are coming out. I just want to warn everybody to be really, really careful with whatever settings you have set um, for your Amazon account and that you can meet those requirements. We all have different settings, we all sell different things, we all ship different ways, but just sit down and take, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to review all of Amazon's requirements. Um, put in into that equation issues with delivery services um, pretty much every package i get ups and fedex is a day late um, my hello fresh and every plate are supposed to be here today they're not supposed to be here till friday now which means the food's not going to be any good in those but moot point um, just be aware that it is it's your responsibility to protect yourself as much as you can and then hope because you've done the best job you can with your handling times, your shipping times, um, shipping every day. I ship every day, um, even though I don't have a mail person to come pick up, I have to go to the post office and Ron has to go to the post office because we don't have carrier pickup, but I ship every day. That is, that is a, a requirement I took on uh, when I decided to sell online and you just have to build it into your your priorities for your day if you have carrier pickup good for you there's no reason not to ship every day then um i i think the expectations of buyers are far different than they were even two or three years ago and they don't expect anybody to ship oh i only ship on mondays we don't expect that anymore we expect online sellers no matter what marketplace they're on to act in a professional manner whether it's Etsy or eBay or Amazon and do it. And part of our responsibility is to ship timely and then protect ourselves as much as we can from the vagaries of of the postal service and the UPS and all of that. So um, if you are not aware, um, I don't use Indicia anymore for shipping because it was a long story about how they screwed me over almost a year ago. Um, I use Buy Shipping on Amazon I use buy shipping on eBay. I use the buy shipping on Etsy. And for anything else I use pirate ship because I don't have that um, that much that is not included in one of those marketplaces. And part of the reason is the protections are in place. If you use Amazon's buy shipping or you use eBay's buy shipping, there's far better protections in place for all of them. And it's it also for me, if it, um, it makes it easier to keep track of where i shipped from if it's from the marketplace itself um, shelly says there's no way she can meet the uh, seller fulfill prime nationwide two-day window shelly i don't think there's anybody who could meet it i really amazon has proven that they can't meet it i had a item i ordered it was toilet bowl cleaner there was a typo on amazon yesterday that i just happened to spot um needed toilet bowl cleaner and they had a two pack of lysol you know the the blue stuff that you spray and scrub under the rim. A two pack for $2.47 Prime. I mean, that's that stuff is like five bucks a bottle normally. So, and it said free one day shipping with Prime. So I ordered it, yesterday was Tuesday, it'll be here next Monday. So that's Amazon's one day shipping, you know. Um, so even Amazon can't meet the requirements they're putting on third party sellers. Um, that's, that's the irony. I've never done seller fulfilled prime because I can't need it, you know, I, I just can't. The way our P post office works here, you know, it's, it, the stuff doesn't even get processed here. It all just put, gets put in those rolly bins and it goes to Salt Lake City and that's the first place it actually gets scanned um, after I drop it off as Salt Lake City. Um, so one reminder when you use these shipping platforms um, use scan forms. Um, eBay, it's a little convoluted on how to do it, but I finally figured the the windows to keep open, it's buy shipping in bulk is basically what you need to do on eBay. And you buy all your shipping labels at once. Um, and then it gives you the opportunity to do a scan form. Amazon, it's called end of day reports. Um, Shopify... I use pirate ship and they provide scan forms and Etsy does as well. So use those. It makes it far faster standing in line at the post office, or if you have your um, delivery person doing the um, carrier pickup, you can just hand them the form and um, go. The one annoyance on Amazon that I just cannot figure out why, because I actually took some notes to try to keep track of is I'll like pack a whole bunch of stuff. This afternoon, with tomorrow's shipping date, because on Amazon you can select the next day as the day you're going to ship it, so it's all ready to go in the morning. Um, It'll be it's post or it has the shipping date of tomorrow on it. But about three quarters of the time, Amazon will automatically generate that scan sheet just after midnight Pacific time for those things for the next day which i can't quite figure out why it's not 100% of the time if they're going to do it do it all the time or why they do it at all when the next day hasn't even co- or has just shown up you know I'm, i hope that makes sense for you guys um so some days i have to have two scan forms cuz i'll pack more in the morning and have the one that generated at midnight or 1201 and then from what i pack in the morning so be aware of that too and count count the number of stuff on the scan form and then on the um, uh, the number of packages you have to go with it. Um, so that's kind of how I'm dealing with postal delays, I'm doing all I can to to try to stay on top of it. Um, I think we'll know more in the next two weeks when this quote pause has caught, people have calmed down a bit about deliveries and see where it's all gonna be. Um, in the chat, Drema says on Seller Fulfill Prime, you don't have to promise two-day nationwide. You can only, you can do only regional for your area. Is that in the new requirements, Drema? Because I must admit, I did not read the new ones in detail. Um, so, um, John, um, Tyler, mentioned in the group about his niche. Um, um, his niche has been openly hostile to online sellers for as long as he's been in the business. And um, he said he's seeing brick and mortar stores having to start selling online um, to survive. And he was wondering if, if that is a, if that will lead to a different perception of online sellers in the supplier world, or um, will they continue to hate online sellers and look at us as um, as the, the black sheep of the family. I'll give you my um, my input. Is I think it's going to change a bit. Um, let me back up a sec because I don't want this chat to go by. Shelly says, Draymond, the new requirements are one to two days nationwide. That's what I thought. Um, and that just came out yesterday afternoon. So have a look at that, everybody. Just be very careful on what you choose for your shipping. This this can make or break you. So be very careful if you're going to do it. Read it all. Be detailed and take notes and be very specific about what you're doing. So so back to the niche thing about John. I have seen a slight difference um, in my suppliers. None of them is, is, you know have like totally changed their tune. Um, I um, I have gotten feedback, and then we're so glad you've been selling online. You're the only orders we've had in six months from some really from really small suppliers, which is really sad. Um, none of this is their fault. You know they can't help it. Um, so be aware that that might be changing this whole perception, and the no's you got last year may all of a sudden be yeses. For one thing. Um, John made the point that that these online, these brick and mortar retailers who are trying to switch to online, realize it's not as easy as everybody says it is. We all know that. Um, We know it's hard, we know it's work. Um, It's a different hard than a brick and mortar store, but it's hard just the same. And when you're dealing with an adversarial business partner in Amazon, it's even harder. Um, And I think getting started on Amazon now without a, a support system of people you can trust, like our group, would be very difficult. You wouldn't know who to trust and who to ask. And that's why there's so many of these you know, five figure courses for sale on how to get on Amazon and all that because it is mind boggling. It's like nothing um, people have ever done before. And a lot of business people have the attitude, which at one time I think was a fair enough attitude of, of I'll just dive right in now and if I screw up, I'll fix it later. Well, that doesn't work in the Amazon world. You, you screw it up and you aren't gonna get a chance to fix it later and then you're done. Um, and I think that's something that is going to, um, to hurt a lot of people who are jumping in without realizing that basically you get one shot at doing it right. And you can assume that if you screw something up, you'll be gone and you won't have a business on Amazon. That's how I kind of look at it. So I don't wanna screw any of it up, you know? um it's it's a scary place for for businesses who have been the brick and mortar model for so long and are now trying to move over we're lucky in our group that we've all been ahead of the curve and that's my goal is to stay one step ahead of everything um i think this information on the gti and exemptions that ellie and i sussed out um the stamps the seals the photos the letterhead all that that's keeping you maybe 36 hours ahead of the next bunch of people because they'll go to those support pages and well it won't say seal what do they mean And they're kind of hung up on doing it but you guys have that information so so i think i think the biggest goal in the group now is to stay ahead just stay ahead stay one step ahead say half a breath ahead head say um say whatever do whatever you can to stay that one little bit ahead um, i had a, a conversation with wendy in the group this morning, uh, a message conversation about business priorities. And here's how I look at this. And I'll, I'll give you the, the, the brutal, honest truth um, that Amazon will not be here in the way it is now next year. It might be better, we can hope it might be worse, but things will be constantly changing. My goal in all of this is to make as much money as I can as fast as I can within the parameters I have set for my business and those of you who who know me from thrifting for profit know that a couple of my parameters one is I don't want to hire people I have to supervise physical people like doing packing for me that is like my massive weakness in life is supervising people I am not good at it and I don't want to learn at this point in life okay so that's one thing two is I don't want to warehouse I don't want to have to get up when it's 40 below out and drive somewhere to go to work so that's my second one so those are with those two parameters in place how much can I push my business to make as much money as I can right now and that's what I'm doing and that means sometimes giving up things so in a few years when I decide to sell the business and retire I have built up as much cash as I can so I'm looking at short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. So that sacrifice means uh, you don't go out and have pizza tonight. You eat at home and you you spend that half hour, you'd be spending driving to go have the pizza and all of that in getting a new listing done or finding a new product from an existing supplier or spending that time researching new suppliers. You have to make it a priority if, you want to grow I, and I know I'm, I'm not a workaholic I'm a lazy person okay I am basically lazy my favorite thing to do is sit on the beach and do nothing and jump in the water every half hour and swim around and then get out and do more nothing my favorite thing but I have learned over the years that there has to be the sense of discipline to do the things you don't want to do in order to get ahead Meaning, and not just things that you don't want to do, but the things other people don't want to do. That's an even bigger secret. If this person doesn't want to be bothered doing this, do it and you'll be ahead of the game. So that means if you want to grow, you have to set the prior, parameters one, and I've told you I have limitation parameters that I'm not going to have a warehouse and I'm not going to hire employees that I have to supervise in person, two parameters. Um, everybody has their own parameters. Okay. That, that because of families, um, ill parents, all these kind of things, you have a a set of parameters and I would suggest you write them down. Mine are short. Those are my two parameters. Oh, and I don't want to sell kids toys. That's another thing. Never going to sell kids toys. Um, but, um, write those down. And then on a, on another piece of paper, write down the excuses you use every day to not, work on your business, to not move it forward. What excuse do you use? Um, Because I'm in enough Facebook groups that I see every excuse you could think of. Now, you've just had a tornado go through, as um, we saw earlier. Um, Who was it who had the tornado? Kate had a tornado go through. Yeah, good excuse. I think you're off the hook dealing with tornado issues, right, hurricane issues, no power, Um, we were without power here, um, for a while I found a way to ship it involved going to the library to print the stuff out, but you find a way. So, um, so priorities, you may have to give up the nights out. You may have to give up, um, watching Netflix binges. Um, but I admit, I watch those while I'm working. So, um, you may have to give up, certain things um that you don't enjoy but it makes a good excuse to give up you know and I love those well no I can't I've got shipping to do I can't do this so you know I have shipping to do but to me the biggest thing is it has to be a priority and that's the hardest thing for everybody everybody because you're not answering to anybody if you don't make a new ebay listing today who do you have to answer to well Wendy knows you have to answer to me now but I can't do anything. It's not like I can dock her pay, or put her on probation, or whatever. But that that mental discipline has got to be there to do the things you don't want to do to grow your business. Um, you know, it's 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 hard. It's hard because it is. There's nobody accounting for you. For me, my the the my accountability partner is my bank account. That's that's my accountability partner and that's what I look at. Ron doesn't have to tell me, do you think you should get some work done. Um, he's usually why don't you stop for the day, you know, but I have certain goals that I have I sh- I have to ship X number of profit out every day into Amazon. Um, I never want to be where I have new products to list on either eBay on or Amazon for more than a week. Um, if they're sitting there because then they become dead products. You know, they, the, the thrill is gone if they sit too long. So if you are a person who does both Amazon and eBay and you are an eBay one off, um, seller, meaning you, you thrift, um, garage sale, whatever you have got to find a way to make yourself sit down every morning and get those listings done using sell similar, using templates, using, um, cut and paste policies, descriptions, whatever, but you have to do it because complaining about it doesn't help. Wishing you could do it doesn't help. You just have to do it. And it, I, I get it, it's hard, but you know, time is short. Um, it, it, in our lives and in business both, it's short. You have to make the money while you can Um, Wouldn't you have liked to been on Amazon when they started with third-party sellers in 2001? Um, I was lucky, I was. I sold my first thing on Amazon in 2001 when you could only sell books. And I remember what book it was and everything. It was when I would buy hardcovers and read them and then resell them on Amazon. And that was the time where you had to do it fast because everybody was doing the same thing. I'm just gonna go buy the new Dick Francis mystery. I'll read it in a day or two and then I'll sell it. Well, that's what I did. So the, every day you wait by not pushing your business forward means a couple things. One, you've missed out on sales. And on eBay, those people are looking for very specific collectible things and you miss out. You may not have somebody who wants that item again for a year. So you're missing out on the sales. On Amazon, if you are not looking for new suppliers and working with your suppliers, somebody else could grab them. Some, you know, you think, Okay, the, the big one I found this year, the pottery um, people, I found them by Googling, you know? And um, if I hadn't done it, somebody else would have. So the longer you wait to do it, the less chance you have of getting them because face it, there's only so many businesses and so many new products at any one time. And you can't wait. It, it is a time game. If you do retail or online arbitrage, Every minute you wait, and I'm talking minutes, not getting that product listed, you're losing money. Because what is the the thing that happens with the vast majority of online and retail arbitrage? The price tanks. So you, ha- it, you have to hit fast. It is a fast paced business. It's not for the, um, how do I say this? Because I fall into this category. It's not for the indecisive. I'm not indecisive, that's, that's the thing. It's not for the indecisive. Um, you can overanalyze on Amazon. If you take three weeks to decide whether you're gonna sell a product or not, you've lost three weeks of time and you've given your competitors a three-week head start. So it's kind of like you lost six weeks. So you have to be decisive, you have to be confident in your decisions you have to set your own way of making those decisions. Because my way, um, my way of making sourcing decisions is probably very different than anybody else's way in the group. And probably every other person in the group has a different way than everybody else. But if it works for you, then you keep doing it. If it doesn't work, then you have to change something. Um, my big wake up call is I don't like pink. I'm not a pink person. Um, I was making Shelly a mask and I said, I don't have very much pink fabric cause I don't have pink cause Shelly loves pink. And um, I said, I don't have much pink at all. I didn't realize it, until I went to look at my fabrics and I had like two pieces of pink fabric and 900 pieces of, you know, blue. Um, cause I'm not a pink person, but I learned the world is full of pink people. And if I don't carry, The products, if they come in pink and I don't carry them in pink, I'm being really stupid. And I learned that one early on because in one of my products line, pink is by far the biggest seller. So that personal taste can only go so far before you've hurt yourself. So be aware of that, that you have to have some sort of an open mind in all the sourcing decisions too. But the thing is you got to make a decision. You can't wait for three weeks. You can't leave products sitting in your garage because it's money tied up there that's not doing anything. It's it's not only physical stress because the boxes are there and you have to walk around them. It's an emotional stress whether you realize it or acknowledge it. It weighs on you subconsciously in your head that all that stuff's out there You gotta that you've got to get done. So my rule is that it's far less painful to get it done than to think about it and worry about it and wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I've got that box of product out there I should really get on. It's just far easier to do it. So get in that mindset. So um, Wendy's saying, I've heard as a business owner, we should never say, I'm sorry, if something goes wrong. I don't know who told you that, but I'm going to vehemently disagree with that. There is nothing wrong with saying, I am sorry. She had an item that arrived broken. She says, what is a good thing to say instead of I'm sorry? I would say a good thing to say, I am very sorry. I am terribly sorry. This is not good. I'm sorry. There is nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry. Wendy, if you can remember who told you that, I would love to know because I think they are hundred percent wrong. People want an apology. And I say, if I screw up, I'm the first one to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I screwed up. I'm sorry to ride broken. I'm sorry. You have a problem. Let's fix it. So I don't know if you guys agree with me or not on that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I'm sorry. Because when you go somewhere and something goes wrong, doesn't, isn't that what you want to hear? Like you order a steak medium rare and it comes well done. Wouldn't you like them to say, I'm sorry, you know? So that's just it. Um, okay, Wendy's saying, I have products sitting in the garage, but its season is about done for the year. Why did it sit, Wendy, in the garage through the whole season? That's what I mean about losing that time. You cannot let this happen. You cannot let it happen. If it's stuff that is so seasonal, you've lost a year. Though you have to remember, I know you're in Missouri, um, stuff that may be seasonal for you in Missouri may not be seasonal for people in Florida, California, Hawaii, Texas, whatever. So be aware of that. Um, that, But that is my point exactly, um, that you have lost time. And it may be time that if, if you don't want to list the stuff, just get rid of it, give it away, but you cannot in business time is money and everything time is money you know and in business you cannot afford to lose that time i would say um that don't go sourcing anymore until you get your stuff listed because what's the point of pouring more money into the garage to the piles in the garage if it's not earning you money back there's no point in it because this is a business this is not a hobby this is fun this is a business. So you bought more than you could get processed. Are you processing every day? Are you making new listings every day? Wendy, I know you're not, and I'm gonna be hard on you here because you are you are vocal in the group about wanting to grow your business. So the minute this this Facebook live is done, you have got to buckle down and do it, whether you like it or not. I know you said you had a wetsuit that you hated doing measurements, all that, just pull the shit out that is easy to list. Pull out all the stuff that's similar and just do it. But instead of worrying about it, instead of having your husband get upset because there's so much stuff, instead of realizing that there's money tied up there, just do it. Be Nike, just do it, okay? Just do it. So that's my soapbox for today. I'm gonna get busy. I had two shipments come in yesterday I'm gonna get at least one of them turned around today and back out to Amazon. Um, Part of it will stay merchant fulfilled because I'm still doing that. Um, Part of them will turn around and go to Amazon, Um, but I'm not letting the grass grow under my feet because time is money and business. Um, um, I'm reading, hold on. uh, Thalia says, I think of what I would want to be told if I was on the other end. Exactly right. You know, and sorry is a powerful word. Um, Gibbs, is that like, Gibbs is, um, I don't know what Gibbs is. Um, So Wendy, tell me what Gibbs is. Sandra, you, no, you didn't miss it. I've run out of time, but I'll stay if you guys want to stay and I'll tell you what I'm doing for Q4. I'll stay, so you stay. Here's what I'm doing i am pretending because in a pollyanna world i'm hoping things will be the same i am continuing as i'm doing now i use restock pro to and and i'm going to have to assume because i don't know any different that amazon is going to continue to receive products in their warehouses right now that's all we know they could be in october they'll say sorry we're not taking anything in but i don't know but i have to go based on the information I have, that that they're gonna continue taking things in. I'm gonna to continue to order product, I'm gonna to continue to send it in. My goal using Restock Pro is to not have more than 30 days of product in, because most of my stuff is, is easily replenishable. Some of the stuff that's coming from Italy is taking longer, so I'm having more come in because um, it's it's an evergreen product line, and um, it's a brand that people, if they want this brand, they want this brand, and nothing else will do. Um, so I am I am using Restock Pro to keep track of how many I've sold, um, you know, over the past two days, seven days, fourteen days. I am using um, a gut feeling on how product is moving whether it moved really fast um, when the pandemic first started and has slowed down. Um, that kind of, oh yeah, that one hasn't moved very well that I thought. Um, so my, my, my restocking is somewhat, it's, it's data driven based on Restock Pro numbers or whatever, however you, numbers you use, whether you use Inventory Lab or whatever method you use to keep track of your sales numbers. You could use Amazon's restock suggestions um, with a massive grain of pink Himalayan salt um, because I think a lot of theirs are crazy. But whatever method you use, you there is I think the gut feeling is, is discounted a lot in businesses that are run on tech like ours is. Um, but I use a little bit of it. I think people are gonna be knitting a lot more in the next couple months, so I am upping my knitting needle stuff. You know, I, I'm not um, I'm not going in. So I am restocking now, okay? This is August 18th, 19th, August 19th. I am restocking now for my products for people to buy in October, November, and December. So if I've sold 10 of them in 30 days, I'm reordering 20 because I want to have stuff at the warehouse. Because as Thalia said, it's taking 30 days or more to redistribute stuff. So we are having to take a bit of a leap of faith. Um, Hold on, I just, a chat came through. You wouldn't follow anything that says that. What a crazy thing to say. Oh, uh, Carolyn, I thought you were saying it was crazy what I was saying. You mean the don't say sorry thing. And I'm sorry, I've never seen NCIS. Now I know who you guys are talking about. But of course, that's a TV show, Wendy, and I wouldn't base my business decisions off a TV show, um, a a fictional TV show. So, um, sorry, I got sidetracked there. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I am building up inventory now for Q4. I am willing to accept that I will pay storage fees on some of it. Um, because it won't move, but I am willing to take that risk to have the inventory there and available when people are buying for the holidays. Now, if you sell big things, physically big, it might be a different story because you might have storage limitations in place. Um, you might um have if your things are expensive, there' are cash flow issues to take into place, but the fact that Amazon's stock is at an all time high shows that that the general business world believes that Amazon is going to have a huge holiday season, and I think they will too, as much as people want to get out and all that. It's far easier to order toilet bowl cleaner on Amazon than go to the store, you know, so no matter what you sell, there's a market for it there um So my Q4 planning, I'm sending in now here in August to build up inventory for the holidays. I am going to continue merchant fulfilling these things that I have found, the product lines I have that are profitable to merchant fulfill and that move relatively quickly um, to merchant fulfill. Um, And a lot of them I merchant fulfilling because the other seller on them is FBA and they're showing those long lead times. You know, like if they you buy it today, FBA, it'll be three weeks before um, before you have it. And people who craft don't want to wait that long. So that's why I I am um, keep holding those things back. So I will send some in to FBA so they are there for those people who only shop prime. But I'm also holding some back to Merchant Fulfill. I think all of us should be um, at least considering doing the merchant fulfillment um, thing on some of our products, the ones that are profitable. Interestingly enough, um, it's my more expensive products. Actually, it's the most expensive product line I sell um, is the one that, that I'm holding back the stuff because for one thing, I know I can pack it better than Amazon can, even though I bubble wrap it before it goes in, it, it gets a little better care. And... Um, I'm just willing to do it because the profit margin is there. You know, if I sell one at $60 profit, it takes me three or four minutes to pack maximum. So I'm willing to do that because I have a dollar amount in my head that I always work to. I want to make X number of dollars per hour in whatever I am doing. And Wendy, that might be something you want to think about as you pick what you're going to list, what's going to make you the most money, you know, for your time. So don't list a $10 thing when you can list a $100 thing. So Q4... This is a time now where we have to have some sort of metrics in place to determine what's selling, whether that's your own spreadsheet, whether it's Amazon's restock suggestions, whether it's Inventory Lab, whether it's my favorite restock pro, something so you can look at trends. We're now, I think we're almost far enough away from that that April um, month, that month where we couldn't ship ship things in that the number should be a little more back to normal. Um, Obviously if you sold swimsuits, you aren't going to sell as many um, as you did during the summer, but on, you know, general product items, if you sell, sell food items or, you know, basic clothing like socks and t-shirts, that's a far different thing than selling swimsuits. So you have to look at that seasonality. you have to realize people are probably not going to be doing um, the travel to warm places in the winter in the numbers they did before um, until the whole COVID thing calms down. So you have to kind of put that in the whole hopper. And these are things that you can't quantify, right? You can't put this number in and say, well, I'm going to take off 16% because of COVID and order 16% less because people aren't going to travel to Florida. For their their Thanksgiving vacation, that that you can't quantify, um, because if you could, everything would be um, would be fine. Um, Casey says he's deciding to hold back 3,600 of the 4,800 units of his main Christmas product because I don't see the ability to get them checked in on time via FBA merchant filling. That much will be a grind, but we have to make short-term sacrifices for long-term success. Well said. It is, it, and you know, you're a man who works long shifts. I don't know if you work 48 or 72 hour shifts and all that. Um, um, boy, um, but yeah, you have to do what you have to do. And that's doing something that people don't wanna do. A lot of people say, I don't wanna be bothered merchant fulfilling, so I'm just not gonna do it. Well, you're two steps ahead of them now. Um, Thalia asks, can you say more about how you're de- determining projected unit sales for September, October, November, December? Off, I often hear Q4 is three times any other time of year, but that's very broad. Um, I look at Q4 as um, double, not three times, because in, in the craft world, people do it all year round. And, for, and I hate to say, this is kind of weird, but this is because I know my niche. People don't buy a lot of my craft products to give as gifts. They buy my craft products to make stuff themselves, um, that's just how it is. Because you wouldn't give some of the stuff, it would be a shitty gift. I mean, you know, it's like what you gave me a knitting needle as a gift. Thank you. No, but oh, you made me a scarf. So my world is a little different. Um, so I I do the the twice, the rest of the year, um, because of COVID, throwing things up in the air. I'm going to pretend in the sales part that COVID didn't happen because that's all I can do. I'm not gonna to try to factor in a number, um, a number of, um, a number of numbers that are sort of guessing in the whole thing. I'm just gonna pretend it didn't happen and I'm gonna send send my stuff in. I'm gonna hold back as not nearly the numbers Casey's doing because God bless you, that's a lot of packing. Um, I'm not gonna hold all of that back, but I'm holding back some. But I would look at what you what did you sell, you know, the first half of the year, and um, and see where that leaves you. See if your cash flow allows you to um, to stock up. See what the velocity is on the sales, and that's an important one. That that um, if you look at six month sales and all those sales were in January. Um, probably not the most reliable number, but if you're looking at those six month sales and they've been steady over the six months, that's a good sign. If they're increasing, that's a great sign. Um, so you have to look at that sales velocity, how things are continuing to move also. Um, it's an art, it's not a science. If it was a science, there would be no clearance sales anywhere. There would be no remainder books. Everybody know all the numbers and all that. So there's art and science to it. Um, I wanna say trust yourself more than, than, you know more than you think about your products, you do. Because you, if you just think about it, you, you get a feeling about what's working. So um, Sandra's asking if the Q4 surge is expected in all niches. From what I have read in the retail reports, yes. Because people either are afraid to go out to shop or they don't want to just because like me, they're lazy. I I buy everything online. Geez, I mean, you know, we were talking last night. There is not a place in our town where you can buy an ordinary pair of socks, just like a pair of white socks. There's no place in our town. You can buy $60 winter ski socks and all that. There is no place to buy plain old underwear. There is no place. So I'm not in the only town in the country that's like that. There's lots of places like this where you know, it's a two-hour drive to get to a Target. Well, I'm not gonna be doing that. Sorry, when I can order online. And my first place to check is Amazon. It is, and you know, Amazon's the Google of um, of shopping. People look there first. So I think, and it appears the experts in the reports I've read think the surge will be in all niches. I'm ordering toilet bowl cleaner online, you know? I mean, not exciting. I sell what are pretty mundane products. I don't sell any hot and flashy and exciting product. and And my sales are up over the year, believe it or not. It's only 4% right now, but I'm up 4% over last year, which is better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick, you know? So um, let's see, I'm gonna go through chat and see. Okay, Wendy says, how do you get approved to sell certain brands? I wanna be able to clean a certain item in some bundles, but Amazon gave me possible logo misuse issues before and forced me to take down the listings. Wendy, don't spend your time doing that, red herring, sparkly thing squirrel you want to get sidetracked fighting this issue about band approval when you have a garage full of products you need to get listed don't do it this is my advice you pay me to be in the group and i'm giving you advice don't bother with it do not spend your time it's another sparkly thing to take your focus off what you need to do is to get the stuff listed that you can list now okay my two cents Um, Shelly says she's driving herself crazy, trying to decide if she should send things to FBA because of the check-in lean times. If I ship today, I don't know if Halloween will get received, checked in, and ready to ship before 10.31, let alone by 10.15, so there's time to ship. Right now I have zero inventory. Do as Casey is, send some in now and keep some back for Merchant Fulfilled, but every day you wait, you're gonna lose two days. Just just saying. So if, if you are gonna ship it in, do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. Um, so, um, so Wendy says she's in a similar area, middle of nowhere, for getting product. Long way to get stuff. I don't go anywhere to get stuff. It all comes to me, Wendy. That's it. I don't, I don't have to go to retail arbitrage online. I do. I buy it from my suppliers. It's all online. I send them an email or order off their wholesale website. I order everything online because you know what, if I drive two hours to go to Target and two hours back, the whole day's done and I've wasted all that time for a damn pair of socks. So I order them online. So, um, so that's just what I need. Um, is simple, easy, fast. Um, I love trade shows, but I don't like shopping. Isn't that funny? Cause trade shows are just shopping, but it's in a very different way. I look at it spending someone else's money, meaning my business's money, you know? So So, uh, Wendy says she has a lot sent to Yeah. It's like, yeah, do what you can save the time. Um, get your stuff listed. So here's, here's the takeaways. Q4, I think is going to be record breaking. Um, we need to take advantage of it. We need to do it now. So Shelly needs to send in at least some of her Halloween stuff now and hold some back. Casey, uh, God bless you for having 4,800 units of Christmas to ship. Um, I think you're smart in holding some back. Um, um casey says oh this is good to know very good casey's talking about shipping into amazon he says if you ship small parcel which is the individual boxes being via ups um you can take the chance that it'll get shipped to him but he ships mostly lta that's less than truckload that's pallets um it's taking two months to check in now i have heard that casey you're not the only one that's experiencing it And I'm wondering if it might be worth it just to break up the pallets and send them in small parcel, you know, to to get it in faster, it's going to cost you more to ship in definitely cost you more, but it may be worth it for the time saving. Because, um, believe it or not, people are going to start Christmas shopping in the next couple weeks, they're going to be doing it. So, so be aware that if you ship pallets, Ron is not shipping pallets in anymore. Um, He's doing Small parcels. He's breaking down the pallets and getting them in, and then he can trickle them in. You know, ship one every other day or so. So it's a constant flow of product instead of this boom. It all hits there, and then just sits, um, and incurs all the storage all the time because his stuff is bigger. So, um, Sandra, I hope that answered your questions, Wendy. I hope that got you going, Shelley. Everybody, I hope I hope this helped. Um, I have to tell you, you guys help me tremendously when I do these podcasts, because you make me think about why I do things the way I do them, and is it the best way to do them? And many times um, it isn't the way I do it, and I learn from you that way. And it also, on, on the other side, it gives me a chance to vent for an hour a week, uh, venting to you guys, because you can relate, right? You understand how frustrating it is. You know, Ron doesn't want to hear it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear all this stuff. I mean, Ron and I don't talk business at all. Um, and I tell him he he needs to read the group because I'm not going to repeat the stuff I say in the group to you personally. You're in the group, read the group, follow, learn from the group, you know, so we don't talk business at all. Um, so, so we all have homework to do, I think. I hope this helped you guys. Um, you know, I never hold anything back about what I do or why I think certain ways. And, and I, there's some things I am adamant about and other things it's just, you have to do what works for you. I'm adamant about spending your time effectively. So with that said, we'll sign off for a bit. Um, I'm going to be around in the group most of the day today. Part of the day tomorrow, I have another eye doctor appointment here locally tomorrow. And um, the next Monday I get to do my exciting first flight in seven and a half months, I get to fly to Salt Lake City to go to the eye doctor there. It's a thirty-three minute flight. It's eh, three hundred some miles, but the flight's thirty-three minutes. Um, um, and this is the longest I've gone in my adult life without setting foot on the air, on an airplane. Um, which I find, and it here's the other fascinating thing that I don't know if you care or not, but you know, all airlines have these levels of of stat quote status in their programs. You know, they, they um, in Delta's it's the medallion program and they have silver medallion, gold medallion, platinum medallion, diamond medallion. And then they have this invite only one that's called the 360. But so I've made one flight on Delta this year and that was from Los Angeles to Jack, to Salt Lake to Jackson. And that was on our aborted cruise We came back on Delta. We went out on Qantas back on Delta. Um, So that one flight. But I have been a part of the Points Guys Facebook group and read his blog posts for about a year. And after all that happened, I decided I'm gonna work on this whole maximizing my credit card points um, for airline status um, because we have a bunch of big trips we wanna do and I said I buy 99% of my products on credit cards anyway. So I got a new credit card, Delta Business Reserve Amex card, um, and you get um, you get bonuses after spending thresholds. So every thirty thousand dollars you spend on the card, you get these threshold bonuses that can push you to the next. Level of medallion and I've always been like gold medallion sitting in the middle. I, you know, don't fly a ton But I fly enough to keep that well um, Because I started using this card and using this thing back in April having done one flight that was 500 miles I made platinum medallion, which is a big deal because you get lots of More opportunity to upgrade and all that kind of stuff. Well today because I have been continuing this program of spending. And you have to do it in two ways. You have to get these qualifying miles and you have to spend X amount on the credit card. Um, Today, I hit the spending threshold on the credit card. And for the first time in my life, I made diamond medallion on Delta, which I think is pretty cool that I've flown 500 miles and managed to do it. so that means my flight to Salt Lake's in first class, free upgrade, whoop de doo for a 33 minute flight. But it's kind of interesting how you can leverage all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a Delta million miler, because I have flown a lot. I've been flying on Delta since they bought Western Airline in 1984. And so I've flown a million miles with my butt in the seat on Delta um, over the years. But this is the first time I've had enough in a year to make the diamond medallion part. So it's kind of fun. It kind of keeps me occupied so anyway i will let you guys go um thank you for listening and we will see you in the group you take care bye bye now it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper